two Englishmen were speaking and one said to the other, he said, the whole world is a bit strange, but me and thee, and I often have my wonders about thee, he said. Uh, you probably have heard that expression or a similar one like that. Uh, sometimes among ourselves we joke with one another and say, boy, I sure wish everyone was normal like us, don't you? <laughs> the fact of the matter is we aren't just a flawed people. Uh, and we, we have our, our flaws and we have our quirks and we have our idiosyncrasies and we're just, we're just muddling through, so to speak. And so when you put us together in a local congregation such as this one or any other, then there's certain to be issues. I mean, it's just a fact of the matter. We're people. We're flawed people. And there will be issues to deal with from time to time. I think we can take some consolation in knowing that it has always been so. Even in the very earliest days of the church, there were controversies and issues. The things had to be dealt with. Uh, and so we should not be surprised to know that that's the same as it is today. What we want to talk about tonight, though, is how to deal with those things when they come up. We want, to, we want to address a subject that we've talked about plenty of times in the past, but simply dealing with disagreements in the local church. What do we do? How do we do it? And that's what we want to spend just a few minutes in our study together tonight doing that. Sure been a rainy day here in Middle Tennessee and a, sort of a miserable, dreary night out there tonight, but we appreciate you for making special effort to be here uh, for this time of worship and Bible study. We pray that we'll all be encouraged and edified, built up as we join together looking to the Word of God. We pray that God will be glorified, and that's one of the points that we want to make in our lesson tonight, in all things that God would be glorified. For our visitors tonight, thanks for coming, and please come again whenever you can. So what are we going to do when there are issues in the local church? Well, first of all, we want to be committed to deal with our disagreement in a way that glorifies God. And, and this is a key point that we want to emphasize in our lesson tonight. What we do, we want to do in such a way to glorify God. That's the ultimate goal really in everything. At least it ought to be for us that we seek to glorify God in everything. And so there's an issue, there's a controversy, there's a disagreement. It should not be that my goal is to win I won, I won, I won this argument, I won this issue. I proved the other guy, he was wrong and I was right. I made myself look good in the whole process. No, that's all wrong, isn't it? Uh, what we ought to be striving for, our objective in such matters, is that God would be glorified. And Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said in 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning verse 11, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That's what we want to do. Uh, and that ought to be our goal. To the, to the extent that we're able to do that, it's good. To the extent that we're not doing that, it's obviously a bad thing. A couple of things to observe along that line. If we don't act in such a way to bring glory to the Lord, then it's probably not very likely that we're going to be successful in dealing with this issue, whatever it may be. The reason for that is because God's way is right. God's know, God knows what is right, and His way works, and if we don't follow His way and bring glory to Him in the process of 
resolving whatever this is in his way, then we're probably not going to be successful because we're working at it in a way that is not best. God's way is best and God's way is right. Furthermore, if we don't work to resolve our issues in a way that glorify God, we're probably going to give an opening to Satan in the process. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul says, Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Notice that. Give no occasion to the adversary. Don't give him an opening. Don't, don't provide him a, a, a way in. Don't, don't, don't give him an opportunity to use this to his advantage, is what Paul says. Clearly, when he, he says that, the indication is that we could do so. We could, we could work in such a way that it gives Satan a leg up, an opportunity to do what he wants to do in contrast to what we ought to do in glorifying God. Think about it. Maybe just think about how this would progress. So there's an issue. There's some controversy. We've got a dispute. People are, people are uh, at one another. It's not a good situation. It blows up. The whole thing blows up. People are, people are upset. Uh, and and it, it, it's going from bad to worse. The, the whole situation. Have you ever known a congregation to go through issues like that? You probably have, sadly. So what happens when folks act that way? Well, it's a very discouraging thing, right? It's obviously a very discouraging thing. Folks get discouraged. And if you think about it, there may be in particular some new or weak Christians who are especially discouraged to see brethren acting in such fashion. And so some may grow discouraged to the point of even giving up or, or quitting. So it, it, it's hurtful within our own number when that happens. I want to tell you, it's also hurtful in the community. We're not out here on an island. People are observing us. They're watching. They see what happens. And others just shake their heads and say, if that's what it's all about, I don't want any of that. I'd rather not have any of that. You see that we have given an occasion to the adversary when we don't act properly. God said to ancient Israel through the, through the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 36, verse 23, the nations shall know that I am the Lord, notice, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. When you, do, when you act right, when you behave right, when you respect me, when you live in such a way to bring glory to me, the nations talking about other nations around them, right? They will know that I am the Lord when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. I want to tell you, that was a message, of course, to physical Israel, but that message is certainly just as applicable to us, spiritual Israel, that when we act right and do right, uh, we bring glory to God. And so, uh, again, think about what our real objective is here. I would also point out that if we don't resolve our disagreements in a way that glorifies God, failure to do so could cost us our souls. Uh, How important is this? How important is dealing with controversy or issues? Because we said that's going to happen. That's inevitable. It's because we are people, right? But if we don't do it the right way, we don't do it the biblical way, if we don't conduct ourselves as we should, Uh, It could cost souls uh, in eternity. I believe that I could say accurately that there are few sins 
condemned as clearly in the scriptures as divisiveness and factionalism. Could I say that again to you? There are few sins condemned as clearly and, and plainly as divisiveness and factionalism. In Titus chapter 3, beginning verse 10, reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. I was kind of intrigued that the New King James Version here uses the word warped. A person who is divisive and it goes about causing division, he's a warped individual. Now, that, that, I was a little surprised to see that in, in a Bible translation because that almost sounds like something we say, that guy is warped, right? There's something wrong with that fella. And unfortunately, there are some who are warped, warped people in the Lord's church who seem not to know or care uh, about the sin of divisiveness and that their conduct can cause such great harm uh, in the body of Christ. And, and so this is just one place, and there are lots of others, that plainly condemn us, any of us, who don't deal with our disagreements in a way that brings glory to God. I want to emphasize this again. If you don't take anything else away from the lesson tonight, get this. When there's trouble, and there will be, when there's trouble... We need to act in such a way to attempt to bring glory to the Lord. All right. With that having been said then, uh, let's be reminded. Nothing new here. We're not plowing any new ground. But let's just be reminded about some of the biblical methodology that we should use uh, for conflict resolution uh, among brethren. The first thing that we want to talk about is that uh, a biblical approach is going to include a strong commitment to maintaining peace. I think every one of us, every single Christian in the local congregation needs to see keeping peace as an important priority. Uh, I personally have to care about keeping peace, restoring it when it's under threat. You personally have to see that as a priority. Uh, it is so important for us to make Peace among brethren, an important priority in our working together. The passage that we always go to, and it's, it couldn't be any plainer, is Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That last phrase is the one that we emphasize so often endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace with special emphasis on the word endeavoring. Uh, we would say, work at it. Put forth the effort. Keeping peace in a congregation, any congregation, big or small, keeping peace does not happen accidentally. It has to be worked at. And when there are issues, they don't resolve themselves on their own typically. Usually, com conflicts that are not resolved grow worse rather than better. And so what we got to do is that we got to put forth the work that's necessary to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We've got to see this as an important congregational priority. I know that you remember Abraham's expression in Genesis chapter 13 when there was a problem between him and Lot. Abraham was the uncle, Lot was his nephew, but there was some contention between them, especially between their herdsmen, because their flocks and their herds had grown so large, and they were probably contending over pasture and water and so forth. Abraham said to Lot, 
Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. Here's the, here's the phrase. For we be brethren. Now, there shouldn't be any, there shouldn't be any problems between us. We're brethren. We have always admired Abraham for making that kind of a statement, haven't we? And that's, that, that mindset, that mentality needs to be ours. Uh, we're brethren. Let there be no strife between us. We need to develop that attitude more and more and more. So, first thing, have this commitment to peace. I, I'm concerned because some folks don't seem to care about that at all. Uh, even in the church, you, you see instances where brethren do not seem to think that it's important to try to keep things peaceful. We, we need that as a priority. Having said that, then let's add another point that we've talked about plenty of times in the past, and that is make sure you understand the issue thoroughly. So often, things get started based upon a misunderstanding. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm, in fact, I'm just downright mad. And, and here's what I think happened. Well, what, what I think happened may not have been what happened. He said this. Well, it may, that may not have been what he said exactly. And it certainly may not be within the context of what he was talking about. Instead of getting angry immediately, I need to make sure I understand. So often, trouble between individuals and trouble between Christians could be short-stopped if we just took the time to clarify, ask a question, make sure you understand what's going on, what's been said, what's been done. Uh, again, remember, we're trying to glorify the Lord, and I don't glorify the Lord when I have a short fuse and get mad at the drop of a hat I do better at glorifying the Lord if I stop and ask for clarification. Let me make sure what was said, what was done. That would be a better way to bring glory to the Lord. So make sure you understand the issue thoroughly, and then give the benefit of the doubt to one another. I'm, I'm really concerned. I, I, I don't know if you see the same thing I do. I imagine you do. I'm, I think that we are, as brothers and sisters in the body of the Christ, way too ready to assume the worst about our brethren. I'll tell you, I don't want to be treated that way, and I don't like it when I am treated that way, and that being the case, I shouldn't treat others that way. Uh, it, it's just not right to immediately assume the worst about someone. You, so someone tells you something, and you immediately, and they're talking about another brother or sister in the body of Christ, and you immediately assume, based upon what was said, that that guy is, uh, he's a bad guy. And he's doing bad stuff. Immediately assume the worst. That's just not right. It's certainly not what brotherly love requires of us. I don't want to be treated that way. I shouldn't treat others that way. And this goes to the text that Britt read for us earlier. And my apologies, Britt, because we, we were... Uh, we were disjointed there at the start of service. Sorry, Britt, we had to start, stop and start over a couple of times. But the text that I wanted Britt to read was this one from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that talks about true love, uh, what real love is like. I'm not even going to take time to read that. You know that passage. And not very long ago, just a few weeks ago, we had a, a whole Sunday evening sermon where we just dissected that passage and went through every phrase in it. But I'm going to tell you, real love, the kind of love that we ought to have for one another, calls upon us to not immediately assume the worst about one another. 
uh, and, and so, again, I would encourage that as a necessary component when we're dealing with controversy and issues and disagreements. Don't immediately assume the worst. Deal directly with the people who are involved in the matter. I know Britt had an invitation Wednesday night along this line, and I think it's certainly right that if I've got a contention, I need to go directly to the person or persons who are involved. Especially, and you know the word I'm about to, to drop, that we want to avoid gossip. We, there, there's no call for talking behind another's back to slander someone or run someone down. That sort of conduct does not, does not resolve issues. It compounds issues and makes them worse. We, we've got to, if we've got a problem, go to the person directly who, who you have that problem with. Deal with that, but do, absolutely do not engage in gossip, backbiting, talking behind others' back. It, it's completely non-productive. Uh, but actually, it's, it's, it's worse than not doing, it doesn't help. It's worse than that. It makes things worse. Apparently, this has always been a problem with human beings because way back when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, one of the instructions was, thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among, among thy people. Look at that. It, the fact that they had to be told not to do that would clearly suggest to us that that was a problem. People did that sort of thing. They went up and down as a tailbearer, and the law of Moses said, don't do that. It's still a problem. I, I guess it's something in our human nature that we do that sort of thing, and we really have to avoid it. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Do not associate with a gossip. Well, that's a plain, straightforward statement, isn't it? This guy's a gossip. This woman is a gossip. Chances are he or she is not going to stop gossiping. Gossip's gossip. Uh, just, that's, that's a sad reality. He or she's probably not going to stop doing that. He or she is going to keep stirring the pot, keep this thing going, making it worse. They're not going to stop. I'm going to have to stop it. Do not associate with a gossip uh, because... Their work is making things worse and not better. In Proverbs chapter 26, beginning verse 17, like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles in with strife not belonging to him. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. If this guy would just leave that alone, the fire would go out. But so he says where there's, where there, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there's no whisper, contention quiets down. This thing would quiet down. But this gossip fella, he won't, lay, he won't leave it alone. And, and others he, are, are prone to, to join in on that, to meddle with strife that doesn't even belong to them. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. That's the problem, right? We kind of like that. We kind of like to hear that sort of thing. We kind of like to have that inside scoop. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. And so... Don't meddle in strife that doesn't belong to you. You know, that's, that's really important godly advice. Why would I want to meddle in strife that doesn't belong to me? Too many people do that. And apparently, folks take some kind of sadistic satisfaction out of doing that. Don't 
metal in strife that doesn't belong to you. Let the thing quiet down. Uh, just like fire, fire goes out without wood, strife will go out if whisperers and gossips and slanderers stop doing their work. Deal directly with the ones involved. Also, don't compromise. I, in doctrinal matters, I, I, I would hope and I think uh, among us for sure that this goes without saying. If the, if the disagreement, if the contention, if the problem is over some doctrinal issue, then we can give no ground at all. We are not going to come. Now, we remember, we said earlier, we, we, up here, remember, uh, we said that we have to be committed. We have to have a strong commitment to maintaining peace. I really believe that. But here's, here's the caveat to that. We are not, peace cannot be so important to us that we compromise on doctrine. We're just not going to do that, right? So uh, in doctrinal matters, uh, and again, I don't think to you all that I even have to stress that. I think we're, we're well committed to that idea, as we should be. The text we always go to about that is the statement about Paul in Galatians 2, 5, when he was confronted with false teachers. It was a doctrinal issue. And he said, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Again, I, I, don't, uh, I, I think that point needs to be stated, but I don't think it needs to be emphasized to you all because I think we understand that completely, absolutely. So, in doctrinal matters, no compromise, but here's the adjacent point to that. Submit in matters of judgment. So, again, what we're doing, we're talking about dealing with our disagreements in a way that glorifies the Lord. That means I won't compromise on doctrine, but I will submit in matters of judgment. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, All of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Be subject one to another. Now, obviously, as we were just saying, that does not... That does not go on questions of doctrinal soundness. That's not applicable. But in areas where it's just a judgment call, where it's just judgment, I need to be submissive to one. That's, that's hard. I tell you, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard to submit because I'm going to tell you, I want my way. I want it done my way. Uh, no. Remember, this is not about me getting my way. This is not about me making myself look good. This is about glorifying the Lord. And so I need to submit. Uh, so, so many issues would not even become issues if we had properly developed in our minds this attitude of submitting to one another in such instances where it's not doctrine, it's just judgment if we would just submit to one another. How many times have you known of a situation maybe where a congregation split. Oh, there's been a split in that congregation. Well, what was it about? And the answer was, well, it wasn't anything doctrinal. It was just judgment matters. Oh, wow. If, if that's the case, then that was... That, that's, I, you know, you'd rather hear it was doctrine, and some folks stood soundly for doctrine, and the folks who were wanting to violate sound doctrine left. Okay. All right, there would be a basis then. But when it wasn't doctrine and it was just people's attitudes and opinions and they split over judgment, well, that, that sounds bad on all sides, doesn't it? 
It was just over judgment. They should have submitted to one another in judgment. Uh, and if they had, there wouldn't be a controversy. So, again, these two points have to go together. We will not compromise in matters of doctrine, but we absolutely should and must submit to one another uh, in matters of judgment. Finally, let me suggest to you that we need to resist. When there's trouble, we need to resist the temptation to become bitter or resentful. It's really easy to feel personally hurt when such issues come up, uh, to feel like you've, you've been wronged, been violated. This is, I haven't been treated right in this matter. And it's so easy to get bitter and, and act out accordingly because I have this bitterness. I feel like I have been wronged in this. And so because I feel so personally wronged in this matter, then I act in such a way that, again, doesn't resolve the thing. It, it doesn't solve the disagreement. It only makes it worse. I want to tell you, this is a real problem. And I, I, I admit it in my own life, and you may, I think, probably see it in yourself as well. We've got to fight the temptation to grow bitter, to be resentful. We absolutely should not do that. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 31, you know this text so very well. Ephesians 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We often emphasize forgiving one another, and that's so important, but maybe we need to go back and focus on this question of bitterness too. You know, well, This tells us put away bitterness. We've got to be really careful about that. All right, again, no new ground being plowed here tonight, but my, my takeaway for you especially is this very first point we made. Committed to deal with our disagreements in a way that glorifies the Lord. That needs to be our objective. I think you would agree with me that our wish and our desire would be that there never were any issues. It was always perfect harmony and bliss among God's people. And in local congregations, there were never any controversies that we had to engage or deal with. We would love that. But the reality is, uh, that doesn't happen. Going all the way back to the first point we made is because we are flawed people. We're flawed people, and we don't always do the right thing. We're not perfect. And so contentions and issues will come up. What we have to do then, because they will come up, is what we have to do then is we have to be committed to deal with our disagreements in a way that glorifies the Lord. Thanks for your good attention to what we had to say, and hope it's an encouragement to us all uh, as we go about working together in the, in the body of Christ, as we try to do the things that will be helpful to one another and glorifying to God. Thanks for your good attention. We're going to end our lesson tonight with a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we'll be asking you to think about your relationship with the Lord and make sure it's right. If you need to obey the gospel, we'd be anxious to assist you in your obedience. If you need the prayers of the saints, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.